Yeah, I'm great, JT. How are you doing? What do we want to talk about with the Raiders? So I want to see an interception. I want to see some sacks. Raiders come with four. Here comes the fifth rusher. And he's sacked! Deshaun Bauer had him around the waist. And the Raiders defense holds on fourth down. And then your boy JT got it right. JT the Brick. Always, always great to be with the Brick. I don't spend a lot of time on teams that don't make the playoffs. We talk about what matters in championships and winning here. It's Big Boy Radio. That is the best atmosphere in a preseason game that I've ever been a part of. And that's easy to say that, clearly. Get your ass out here and get ready. Here we go. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT, as we start another day on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Hope everybody's doing great today. We got a lot to be, I don't know, optimistic or excited about. How you feeling in the Raider Nation? I can't mind read. I run talk shows here and podcasts. On the podcast, we'd like you to watch. We don't interact with you. And we're really excited about our new podcast. Hope you've been downloading it. You get get a chance to see it. Raiders Roundtable along with Q, who's coming up next. And Q has Deron Harmon on today that I found out. So how about that? Deron Harmon, the pick six, is coming on with Q in two hours or so. So stick around for that. But Raiders Roundtable, uh, find it on YouTube. And you'll hear it here. They play it one night here. I play some of it here. Really proud of that as we open up the show. Brought to you by the best happy hour in town. Say it with me, PTs, as they fuel the monologue. And I had lunch, a little bit of lunch yesterday over at the SG Bar at the top of Flamingo and 215. It used to be $1.53 from there to my house for an Uber if I had a couple of beverages. But with inflation and the price of gas, it's now about $4 there. My point is, don't drink and drive. They are doing, I found out, whispered in hushed tones, they are doing a DUI blitz in Vegas, which they should keep the crazies off the road. They're doing that for Halloween. So drink, but don't drive. Uber's in this town, cabs. You know, there's one of the few cities left in the world that have cabs. You notice that? If you go anywhere in the country, Nashville I was, no cabs. It's just ride service here. You got cabs. You got Ubers. I got cab drivers on the Cab Driver Radio Network here, the Uber drivers. Everybody who has us on in their car, we appreciate that. And the vast amount of people that download us all over the country. Thank God for that phone app that has it so I can talk to Raider fans from London to Florida to Jersey all the way to the Bay Area. So we appreciate everybody for that. Uh, we have a new Iron Man in hockey. Let's just play the first one when they announced the Iron Man. I thought this was a really big deal yesterday. It's another milestone in Vegas sports history. Listen to this. Ready to go here at SAP Center. They dropped the puck. We're underway. Phil Kessel has broken the NHL Iron Man record. 990 consecutive games. Played the puck just outside the line, and the whistle is for offside. 990 consecutive games for Phil Kessel. The enigmatic everyman is now the NHL's Iron Man. Dan Duver on the call. Dan will join us tomorrow at 12.30, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. 990 straight hockey games. Do you know what that means? I'm going to get into that later on in the broadcast because of these scoundrels in the NBA, Kawhi Leonard, who's missing games after the third game for load management. These are hockey players. They get stitches in their face during the game and come back in the game. This Ironman, all due respect to Cal Ripken, all due respect, and Ironmans in other sports, if you're an Ironman in hockey and he wears our sweater, the Vegas Golden Knights, he did it all on other teams. He just got here. 
But, man, that's a big story. I'm going to the game on Friday. They have this holiday called Nevada Day where they keep kids out of school. I used to care about that. I was a grumpy dad. Why are the kids home from school? Do you know how much I'm paying for Bishop Gorman, for two and Bishop Gorman? How are they home from school? We have this holiday called Nevada Day, and I'll be out. I'll be there. I'm going to my first hockey game of the year, first of many, so I'm excited about that. So wanted to get that in. Congratulations to Castle the Golden Knights. They won the game. We'll get to the game a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor is going to join us here momentarily. Uh, Vinny's got another cover story uh, at the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Dylan Parnham, we'll talk about that and some of the schemes going into this game. What I'd like from you, I would say need, I don't need much, but I'd like from you is an analysis of New Orleans, if you can bring that, on how the Raiders need to win this game. I'll be asking the coach and sitting down with the coach tomorrow. And we don't approve questions. We don't write them out ahead of time. We have a conversation. And maybe something you say on this broadcast, I could say to the coach. And we could talk about that. I will tell you this. I am 100% convinced of two things heading into this day game. I'm 100% convinced of two things. I'm convinced that Dennis Allen wants to beat the Raiders because I was there in the airport when he got fired. He was 15 feet away from me. And he was great to me, Dennis Allen. I interviewed him all the time. Good guy. Really good defensive mind. I'm convinced he'll have that locker room wanting to beat the Raiders off the charts, number one. And I'm convinced, number two, that they're going to stuff the box and try to take Josh Jacobs out of the game. Perfect segue for Vinny Bonsignor, who joins us from Vegas Nation and Raider Nation Radio. So, Vinny, let's begin with the game plan here. Knowing Dennis Allen is a defensive coach, no more Sean Payton, and what you think New Orleans will want to do to take Jacobs out of the game. Yeah, um, it's basically become pick your poison now, uh, trying to defend the Raiders, because, you know, you look at what Lovey Smith did, uh, getting out of his normal two-deep safety look, playing a bunch of one-safety looks, to stop Josh Jacobs, um, which left the uh, field open for guys like Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Foster Moreau. And meanwhile, the Raiders still were able to run the ball against that defensive look. So uh, with the way the Raiders are rolling right now in the run game and how that opens things up for their pass game and really vice versa, Derek Carr talked about what Devontae means to Josh Jacobs. It's literally uh, pick your poison, and uh, it's going to be hard for teams uh, to, to really deal with that. They're in a bind right now. Uh, do you stop Devontae, which you have to do? I don't expect him to get any single uh, coverage looks uh, anymore this season. Uh, or do you d- devote more attention to, to running the ball, knowing that in either case you're leaving yourself susceptible to something else, uh, You know, either the run game or the pass game. And that's just the beauty of this Raiders offense. And really the chess game, chess game that Josh McDaniels has been playing against opposing defenses uh, over these last three weeks. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. So, Vinny, what do you think so far before we get to the defense? Let's stay with the offense on what to expect from Waller. And you and I both cover the team from inside the building, so we'll wait to see. We'll wait for what happens to the injury report here. But any suggestion on why this is taking this long, including over the bye week? And do you hear that he's closer to coming back than longer? Well, he's going to practice today, so that's a really good sign. Um, I just think that, you know, hamstrings are tricky, especially at that position. You look at what Darren Waller needs to be successful. He needs explosion. Uh, He needs to be able to run. He needs to be able to jump. He needs to be able to block. He needs to be able to cut. And those are all things that put pressure on a hamstring. So I know it's frustrating to fans. I get that. I understand it. Uh, But you're dealing with something that's pretty tricky. You don't want to prolong this uh, any longer. I personally think he's been dealing with it for a little while now. Uh, They shut him down. 
uh, to try to get him right. And you think of it this way, if you're Raider Nation out there, you're about ready to get a Pro Bowl tight end back to the third best offense in the NFL. Uh, and when you do, you want him to be healthy and you want him to be on the field for an extended period of time rather than bringing him back in a rush situation and then risk losing him for longer by rushing it. So be patient because at some point, Derek Waller is going to be a guy that's going to be a big part of this offense. Uh, Vinny, do you believe that the Raiders are executing enough in the play action due to Jacob's success and there's going to be more separation other than Devontae? And I heard you on your show this morning with the double team over the top. Will Have the routes changed much from your view from the press box and talking to people? Do you think they're getting more exotic now with this deep playbook? Could we be seeing that in this journey to New Orleans and Jacksonville? Yeah, I think that there's different things that the Raiders are doing to try to you know run patterns, pass patterns that beat or have a good chance to beat double teams. I think you saw that against the Kansas City Chiefs, what the Raiders were able to do uh, in that regard. Um, as far as the play-action pass, you know, they, they really utilized that a lot Yes, or, uh, Sunday uh, against the Texans. And Derek Carr was 11-12, 137 yards. He had a 113 passer rating. So they, were, they found real good success uh, doing that. Now, do you expect them to continue to do that? Probably. But here's the thing about What's so great about Josh McDaniels is he's not going to create a situation where you're ahead of him in terms of what he's going to be doing. He's going to make you play a guessing game. So while he did, you know, there were 12 play-action passes on Sunday, they may run five of those this Sunday against the Saints, knowing that the Saints are probably going to plan for that. So he always keeps you guessing, and the more he gets to know his personnel, the more he's able to rely on that offensive line, the more healthy players he gets back, i.e. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, the more his options are going to be able to expand. That puts a lot of pressure on the defense. Vinny Bonsignor, the cover story today, versatile par and finding his groove. Uh, Vinny, as we get into this, what you wrote about and what their plan was, I'm not seeing enough coverage of this nationally. I don't expect the talking heads on ESPN or on Fox Sports 1 to get this. They don't know the roster at all. I mean, at all. But when you see the NFL Network doing a deep dive and some guys that we both know who really know the Raiders well, I'm not even hearing this enough because they were sure damn critical of what we were talking about at the start of the year with this offensive line and what was going to happen as they got rid of the 17th pick overall. It was a lead story every day, all the time with Leatherwood. I'm not seeing that being replaced in the media with the versatility as you wrote about today. Yeah, and the other part of it was, um, you know, uh, understanding and, and at least being honest with themselves, saying we don't have all the answers just yet along the offensive line coming out of training camp. Just because there's this artificial cutoff date, like you have to have all the answers at the end of training camp, and that's that. You have to roll, you know, with, with five particular guys along the offensive line, and that's that. You know, Josh McDaniels and Carmen Brasillo and, and Mick Lombardi were honest enough to say, but we don't have the answer right now. We're going to extend this to the regular season to try to figure out the best group of five. Was it unorthodox? I guess because not everybody has done that before. Maybe it's the first time uh, ever. But in talking to the coaching staff, I do know this. That shouldn't be a reason why you don't do, do what you think is the right um, approach for this particular situation. Keep in mind, they thought they were going to have Denzel Good going into training camp. He retired a few days before training camp. Bayer Munford went down with an injury. Alex Leatherwood didn't take hold of, of the right tackle position. You know, they gave him every opportunity to do so. Brandon Parker got hurt. Uh, uh, 
Andre James suffers a concussion in week one. There are a lot of moving parts with this offensive line. And where they practice, they being Josh McDaniels and his staff, patience in trying to get it figured out. I know a lot of people, probably some reporters uh, included, were criticizing it because nobody's done that before. Well, that's not a valid reason not to do something. Mm -hmm. And that was what they were preaching. And it's gotten them to a pretty good place with this offensive line. Is it the best offensive line? No, but they're doing things uh, at a pretty high level in terms of the run blocking, and that helps in the pass blocking. Are they the best pass blocking group? Maybe not. But if you could run and put pressure on a team, that's a way to slow things down from a pass rush perspective to help your offensive line. You also bring in Jakob Johnson. You have you know, your blocking tight ends that gone uh, jumbo with an extra tackle. They've figured it out on, on how to get by with this offensive line. In some cases, mm-hmm. at a high level with the run blocking, and in others, protecting them in the in, in pass blocking. That's what good coaching does. And I expect that group, the longer they play together, the more cohesion and chemistry they build together, I expect that unit to be pretty to, to get even better as the year goes on. Vinny Bonsignor. So, Vinny, uh, Jameis Winston played the first three games. They were one and two. They beat Atlanta. Andy Dalton played the last four games. He's only won one game, and the one game that they won, it was uh, 39-32 over Seattle that turned out to be better. And Dalton just threw for 361 at Arizona, and they lost 42-34. to I'm finding a difficult time handicapping this game at the quarterback position here because I think Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, who I heard you talking to today to Eddie Borselli, I think they could get home against either one of these quarterbacks that like to be in the pocket and really wait for the play to develop and take their shot downfield. Do we have a sense of which quarterback's going to play? Are they leaning to Dalton and Winston coming back sooner than later because the Raiders have a great opportunity to get to either one of these quarterbacks? Yeah, they do, and the Saints are like uh, a handful of teams out there, maybe more than that, that are really, honestly, they're looking for a quarterback, the quarterback of the future. I don't think that either guy on the roster right now is their quarterback of the future. Uh, so they're so they're on the lookout, kind of in transition, and the Raiders should take advantage. Uh, that regardless of who the quarterback is, both of those guys have major flaws. Neither of those guys have taken charge of the position, have had multiple opportunities to do so in multiple locations. So... Um, you know, and I think that the way they play quarterback, both of those guys are basically pocket passers, um, would help the Raiders in terms of getting home on, you know, whether it's the four-man rush, bringing some, uh, some help, uh, you know, on the blitz. They, they tried to blitz Davis Mills a few times uh, on Sunday. It kind of cost them a little bit. They weren't able to cover it up uh, on the back end. So you've got to be a little bit careful. It sounds great to talk about blitzing, but the flip side is that you also have to protect it on the back end. They didn't do a very good job of that. Uh, against Houston, so we'll see if Patrick Graham either draws up something different or if the back end can just be a little bit better to be able to support you know, that kind of approach. But I think Chandler, Jones, and they were getting pressure uh, on, on Davis Mills. He was getting mm-hmm. rid of the ball pretty quickly. He was a little bit of an athlete back there. So uh, I think this is a game where they can um, you know, uh, uh, potentially make their mark. And, and I'm talking about the front four and Max Crosby and, and Chandler Jones in particular. All right, two more for Vinny Vonsignor as we continue. Vinny, I just don't like the middle of the field being open. I tweet it live during every game. I talk about it. I ask the questions. I don't know why the middle of the field is open and guys are catching balls 
in rhythm with no one near them, and then it's a jailbreak to tackle them. I, I don't even look at these tackling numbers anymore in the secondary because guys are open. I want to see passes deflected, knocked down. Obviously a scoop and score. Obviously a pick six by Harmon and all of that. But what is the theme and the theory from your perspective going forward on tightening up the middle of the field with the linebackers and bringing the safeties up more? Because a copycat league, every offensive coordinator is running the same routes. Yeah, and that's um, you know that's just not a very it's not a strength of the Raiders right now. You know, you need linebackers that can cover. Um, you need safeties that are that are doing their their job. Uh, I think there's been a little bit of transition with Trayvon Merrick coming back from injury and kind of getting acclimated. You know, there's been a little bit of um, injury uh, issues at cornerback. You know, Anthony Averett just came back after missing. Four weeks, I thought there was a little bit of rust there. Rocky Sin missed some time. You know, he's back out there. Obviously, Nate Hobbs isn't out there. So that's an area that, that teams can take advantage of right now uh, with the Raiders. Part of that is getting a better pass rush. Part of that is, I think, maybe doing a little bit more zone coverage rather than man coverage. It's the NFL. Teams are going to complete passes. Uh, it makes it more important to tackle guys uh, as soon as they do. And, uh, and then also, you know, if teams move the ball, which – this is Vegas. The other side gets paid as well. Lock it up in the uh, in, in in the red zone. I thought the Raiders did a pretty good job. Um, one of three defensively, uh, you know, turning turning the Texans away, uh, making them you know, forcing them to, to kick field goals rather than touchdowns on the on you know one of or two of the three visits to the red zone. That's what you like to see. The Raiders are at the bottom of the uh, league in terms of touchdown uh, percentage in the red zone defensively. One of three is more than acceptable compared to what they had been doing. So. It's sort of a combination of things, you know. That, that's part of a, that's one of the flaws of the Raiders' defense mm-hmm. right now. You hope they get better at it. Um, getting guys healthy will, will certainly help, but it's one of those things where right now that's not a strength of the team. They're going to have to figure out a way to mask that a little bit more. All right, Vinny. Last one with Dave Ziegler and seeing some of the trades, Hankins moving trades that our other teams are doing. You know, I thought you guys, your whole team on the morning show, handled it great talking about it. I mean, look, we know Dave now. He wants to make the team better. He's not going to do anything dramatic. Devontae was dramatic. You know, first and second round pick and Devontae, and then he signed a boatload of players that he's going to keep and a new one in Chandler Jones. And that will be scrutinized, and I think all of them will be back. But when we look at the future here and where the cap is and what they could do, either sending a couple of guys, jettisoning them off for another sixth round pick or a fifth round pick or just holding Pat, what are you sensing could happen that could help the team upgrade if they're going to go on a playoff run? Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, uh, whatever the Raiders do do, and of course it takes two teams to tango, uh, so consummating a deal uh, is, is difficult because there's a lot of different variables that are in play. But I think, what you know, there might be a guy that they were able to bring in to be a stopgap this year, to help out this year. But I think more than anything, what the Raiders and what Dave and, and Champ and, and they're doing over on that side of the building is looking presently and in the future. So I would expect any move that they make um, would be with that in mind. Is it somebody that can help right now? But more importantly, is it somebody that's going to be around uh, for a long time or, you know, a, an extended period of time? I don't see them going out and trading assets for a guy that's only going to be here for the next 11 games. Um, you know, so, so they have to look at it, and they are looking at it from that perspective, the long range and the short range. So any deal that you're going to see the Raiders make, and I know that they're working – on deals and they're talking and they're listening and they're doing everything that you should be doing uh, at this time of year. 
but I would be cautious on things coming together and then also keep in mind that short range and long range. You kind of have to marry up. All right, Vinny, tell us about your partners here. I know there was a win-related event on the Strip and kind of changed up what you were doing at Rockstar, but you got great events all the time. Fans come into town wanting to see you. What do you got lined up? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Saturday nights over at Rockstar uh, Bar and Grill, uh, even though the Raiders aren't going to be playing the next couple of weeks, it's, uh, it's off to the road, uh, New Orleans and Jacksonville. They'll still be hosting um, you know, uh, college watch parties on Saturday night and also NFL watch parties on Sunday. So uh, go check them out over at the Rockstar Bar and Grill. And Bajo Dorn Tequila does a great job with specials and you know putting things together. So uh, this Saturday... Uh, if you're looking for a place to go watch some great college football and there's some big games on the docket, go check out the Rockstar Bar and Grill. Thank you so much, Vinny. Always appreciate you. Thank you, J.K. Vinny Bonsignor. Go support his partners like you support my partners here on the show, and we greatly appreciate that. You know, the glass is half full and the glass is half empty in life. I did a remarkable podcast today as a guest with a former Raider employee that I'll keep off the air. He's an executive. He worked for the Raiders, and he worked for the Jets, worked for some other teams. It was a leadership podcast. And you might say, why do you have JT on for leadership? Because I interview a lot of leaders. I interview the head coach of the Raiders. I interview legendary Hall of Famers, and I interview people in and around business throughout my career on my podcast. And we had a conversation about looking at what is positive instead of negative. And as I share with you, I'm always honest with you. I exaggerate, but I'm always honest. This job is never difficult. Never. It's talking sports for a living. If I ever lose track of that, call in and crack me. If I ever lose track of the fact that I don't have the greatest job in the world, do I get frustrated? Yes. Do I get moody? Absolutely. Do I have euphoria after wins? All of that. So I don't want to do this job year-round at this stage of my career and be negative all the time. I just don't because I don't need to. Doing this long enough, I don't have to do that type of radio. So when the team's two and four, I'm trying to find pieces that is fun. You know, the coach, this, that. Hey, where were you at the tailgate? Hey, man, what's going on? What'd you like about uh, Izzy singing? What'd you like about halftime? Trying to find some positives. But I think I'm pretty hardcore when it comes to the X's and O's. So if you can hear the edge in my voice on Patrick Graham's defense, it's not JT screaming at the top of his lungs. It's me going... Can we fix this, please? And I know why they can't fix it right now. They don't have the players. But you thought they did with Coach Gruden and Coach Del Rio and Reggie McKenzie and Mike Mayock. And I have to go, no, 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 I'm the traffic cop. Let me tell you what I know from being in the building. Every GM and every head coach wants their own guys. From Art Shell to the legend of them all, Al Davis, they all want their guys. That's why they get Matuzak and Lyle Alzado. That's why they draft a Matt Millen. That's why they trade or get rid of or don't give a contract to Khalil Mack. There's always deals that we don't know about that are in the upper executive offices where they get paid to make those decisions. So when Dave Ziegler took over, and I met him a few times, and I'm sitting there interviewing him or talking to him, I understand two things. Number one, he's a family guy and he wants a culture. He wants a culture. Did you hear what he told me Monday to Saturday? People picked that up. You guys are sharp. You gals are sharp. Monday to Saturday means you stay in the building late. You show up early. But John Gruden wanted that, too. He got up at 3.16 in the morning, right? No one got up earlier than Gruden. Well, Max Crosby beats everyone to the building. Why does Max beat everyone to the building with his sports car and his brand-new baby? And then Derek's right behind him. They're trying to get a culture 
And you might say, well, you like the other culture. And that's fair. The other culture, Mike Mayock and all those guys, they're all kind of cut out of the same mold. They're sports executives and coaches who live and die with everyone and want to win more than lose. But we have to understand what the Raiders are doing here. We're seeing players that you don't want here in the future because you know they're not good enough. They're not bad people. We wish them well. We want them to do well if they stay here for the next year or two. But you know there are better players than these individuals at a certain few positions. And that's what Dave's working on. And then he gives Josh McDaniels the roster, along with Josh and him being joined at the hip. And then they're trying to build something that will be stable for years to come. I give Mr. Foley credit. You know, there's a lot of EGK fans freaking out. The team's in their sixth season, not their 60th. And what have they given you? Stanley Cup final, conference finals. They give you all these playoff runs to last year. They bring in a new coach. I actually like the other coach, DeBoer. I thought he was doing pretty well. No, new coach comes in, Cassidy. He has a new culture. A little bit more on the defensive side. They're off to a pretty good start. What, what we're trying to do here is find a way to beat New Orleans, look to the future, and embrace the past. Embrace Phil Villapiano, George Atkinson, Cliff Branch. Win the game, coming up this weekend, and then look to the future. And I think most Raider fans get that. But the difference is Raider fans are more passionate than Bengal fans and Panther fans and Jaguar fans and all of them. Now, I'm not saying the Raider fans are more passionate than the Packer fans or the fans that have been around forever, too. You know, there are, oh, there's so many great fans around this league, so many great fans out there. The 12s in Seattle, right? All these fans are trying to win. But the Raiders have an advantage with their history. And the reason why Dave and Josh took this job and they didn't take the other ones that they were offered is they thought about the culture, the brand-new facility, stadium, the marketplace, where the team is at, and what they can do next. And I care for the next two days, three days about New Orleans. And I'm struggling with this game plan. And I tell you when I'm struggling, not because I don't know what to look at. I got all the numbers in front of me. I just don't know now if I'm comfortable with the Raiders going in all in on the run. That's not me. I, I like I like Carr and Devontae and Waller and Renfro. That I, that's my deal. And I'm sharp enough, I think, and humble enough to step aside and go, "Hey, man, you're wrong on this. This running game, this running game. Get out of the way. Let him run. Let him run." And I'm like, "Okay, but guess what? What I do know, Dennis Allen's going to put eight in the box." And you fans are going to call my show and you're going to freak out at the M Resort with me when you're watching the game if Josh runs into a pile on first and second down and there's a pile of Cam Jordan there and he's gaining a half a yard and you're going to be like, well, what's going on here? I'm going to say, well, you don't get 145 yards every game. I'm willing to go into this New Orleans game, run, 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 because it's working. But shouldn't this team be able to just obliterate people in the passing game? Right? I mean, where's this passing game with a 30-yard, 30-yard in route, deep in route, crossing route, call it a go route, a two-yard underneath to Renfro, and Waller sitting down 20 yards in the middle of the field, boom, 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 car no huddle, run into the ball, let's run another play, and just bludgeon these teams. That's what I want to see because I think that's the only way this team can go on a march. The Josh thing has been incredible. I love it. I'm happy to see it and be inside the building. But I need this offense to get going. And I need Patrick Graham's defense and Deron Harmon, who's going to come on with Q, and Max and Chandler Jones to wake up a little bit, Perryman and all these guys to play a little bit tighter 
from the line of scrimmage to about 15 yards. Where, Damon, you're laughing, that's where the does run in the forest. They're like little does, little baby deers. They're just running across the middle of the field. You know what George Atkinson would do to these guys? You know what what Jack Tatum would do to the guy? If if 10 times guys were catching the ball 10 yards over the middle of the field, do you know what Jack Tatum and George Atkinson would have did to these guys? They would have bludgeoned them to the point where they said, you're not coming back in my area. I think the Raiders with Harmon, Merrig, and Jonathan Abram with this three-safety shell can do that. I just don't want a 15-yard penalty and an ejection. But So the defense catching up to the offense, the offense explosion in the passing game is what I hope to see. And I think we're going to see it. And I hope it goes up against New Orleans because when I was at that Jack Del Rio go-for-two game, that was one of the most exciting games I've ever seen when the Raiders went and won on the last play and what they did in New Orleans. If you were on that road trip or the one before me with that, you know what it's like in New Orleans. If the Raiders win, man, you pour out of that place, you go right back to Bourbon Street, man, you're buying beers, you're buying hurricanes, you're buying poor boys, you're just hugging everybody on Bourbon Street, and that's what you want to see happen. The Raiders are on the road to New Orleans and Jacksonville. Let's stack wins. 702-365-9200. The monologue brought to you by Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. They have Train coming to the theater there. Drops of Jupiter. If you like Train, maybe your girlfriend or wife does more. Take them to Virgin Hotels. They got a ton of restaurants, the Shag Room. You can hang out there, have dinner before or after, and see Train in concert there. Right there, inside a great property where my DNA is from the Hard Rock now to Virgin Hotels. Come on out and have a good time. A little bit of Josh McDaniel's press conference coming up and super agent Lee Steinberg. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas, the newest property on the Strip. JT, back with you. Thanks to Resorts World, home of Doghouse, Red Tail, your place to watch sports there. Or the 8th Cigar Lounge, where we hung out with Charles Woodson. Charles had a good time there. He had Tim Brown, Marshall Falk, had a lot of NFL legends who were there for his Woodson Bourbon Whiskey Golf Tournament. Man, if you're into a good cigar, been to a lot of cigar lounges in Vegas and around the country, around the world, man. 8th Cigar Lounge is fantastic over at Resorts World. They have a system there where it's smokeless. Every three minutes, it sucks all the smoke out. So you can bring your friend or significant other there, and you don't have to worry about you know smoke getting blown around there. It's fantastic. I don't know how they do it. Scott Sabella's vision of that place, it gets better every time I go there. So as I was driving around today, I heard the beginning of it, but I'm hearing it for the first time maybe like you. Josh McDaniel's press conference is a bit of it. What we got? Uh, trading Jonathan Hankins. Is that a sign that some of the younger guys um, are coming along? Um, I don't think it's – I mean, I don't think that's a, just a sign of anything. I think, um, you know, Dave and that group upstairs does a great job of trying to evaluate every opportunity that comes, you know, their way. Um, they've tried to do that all year. We've tried to do it as a group, um, just making decisions that we think might be able to help us either now or – you know, as we go forward, you know, we're, we're trying to take, you know, focus on the Saints, but at the same time, there's a long-term view here that, um, you know, you have to keep in mind and uh, really enjoy John. Uh, did a great job for us, and it's just an opportunity that, you know, presented itself, and you try to evaluate each one of them individually and see if that would, that's what you think is best for the team. And uh, we do have some young players. Hopefully they can step in there and, you know, play some good football. 
along those lines, the trade deadline is coming up uh, in a week. Um, any thoughts on that at all, or I mean, what's for me? No, I mean, honestly, I just it's it's been all all New Orleans. Um, really trying to you know get familiar with a team that I'd say um, our team doesn't know very well. They're in a different you know obviously conference, and so it's just a uh, this is a completely I'd say different style of football that we're getting ready to play than what we uh, played last week or even the few weeks before that. So <clears throat> I've been totally, um, you know, invested in that. Um, you know, Dave and, and Champ and those guys do a great job of, of this is always a busy time for them. You know, there's a lot of conversations that are had and, and those kind of things. But um, if if something comes across my desk, then I'll take some potential interest in it. Talking about getting ready to play a different style of football. What would you describe that style so far? Just watching the tape. Very physical. Um, very. I mean, this is as tough and physical as a group. I'd say on the whole, um, as you're gonna as you're gonna see. And I'm talking about every phase of the of the game of football. Um, Dennis, uh, you know, he, he's it's a first time, first year head coach, but he's been there for a long time, and so. His philosophy and his um, the way he wants to play defense is obviously very well ingrained in their players. Um, you know, Pete Carmichael has been there with Sean for a long time. You know, really, there's a lot of continuity in this organization when you talk about you know Sean Payton being there from 06 to 21, and now you know there's a lot of people that are still there. You know, the general manager, the way they built the team. You know, there's a lot of continuity, so um, they know exactly who they are. They know what their identity is. They play to it. Um, <clears throat> they've been in. Uh, they, they played seven games, and all but one of them was a one-score game. You know, to finish whether they won or lost. So very similar to us. They've been in a lot of close games. Um, it's a tough physical group. They're explosive. I'd say in all three phases. Offensively, they can score in one play. Um, you know, with a lot of different skill players. They're very fast. Um, Defensively, you know the guys on the edge, Davenport, Jordan. I mean, they they can get to the quarterback quickly. Um, you know, nobody's touched the ball more than Tyron Matthew since he's been in the league. So, um, you know, and we know they had a lot of guys that have been injured, um, <clears throat> but we're preparing for the, for everybody on their roster right now. Uh, you know, they've had a little extra time to hopefully heal up on their end, and you know we'll see who ends up playing. But we're preparing for all their guys. But it's a very explosive group. Very tough, very physical in all three phases. Play very hard in a kicking game. Um, and, you know, playing down there on the road in this stadium is a, is always a big challenge. It's going to be noisy. Um, you know, that's always an added burden uh, when you go in there and play them. Um, so, you know, a lot of things to prepare for, a lot of new players to get used to and, and learn. Uh, that's basically what we're hard at work at doing today. Josh, how is, how is uh, Josh Jacobs – production the past three weeks kind of changed your philosophy, the way that you've looked at using running backs in the past. You never really had that one guy that's been the specific running back one, and now, I mean, all the carries, the touches, everything else. Yeah. Production seems to... Yeah. Um, I don't think the philosophy in terms of what we're doing has changed at all. I think that you're right. Uh, we, we definitely, uh, in my history, we've, we've used different backs, I would say, differently and maybe had more of a rotation. Um, you know, uh, when we, we had Corey Dillon back in the early 2000s, you know, that was a little different. You know, we really we, – we featured him a lot and gave him the ball a bunch. Um, you know, Sony, when he was a rookie, um, you know, had 1,000 yards and, you know, was pretty productive. But by and large, I think that was that was something that we, we chose to do, made a conscious decision, 
decision to do it because we felt like that's what was probably best for the team. Um, in this case, uh, I think he's, you know, uh, the one the one thing that hasn't happened is he hasn't had 25 carries a game for the whole season. You know, the first few games of the season, we really fell out of balance a little bit. So the wear and tear on him was, you know, pretty minimal, honestly, you know, because we were behind and we threw the ball a lot and all the rest of it. So um, we'll keep our eyes on that as we go through the year. But I think the players really earn, you know, what they get. And in his case, you know, he does it in practice. He does it in the games. He's been very consistent and dependable, obviously very tough and productive. And so, um, you know, no reason to do it, then we won't do it. If there is a reason to do it based on wear and tear and those kind of things, and obviously our other guys are ready to go. So, um you know, just I don't think it's really a change in anything. I think it's just we're kind of seeing how it's going and kind of following that, you know, until you know, until it really needs to change, honestly. All right, so that's a portion of the Josh McDaniels presser. There's a lot more to that. You can watch it all at Raiders.com, and you can see it here. Q's there, Vinny's there, and uh, I'll be interviewing Coach tomorrow. We'll have that for you here too. I will say one thing as before we come back is that he talked about Dennis Allen and the staff and the continuity there and how physical the team's going to be. Houston was very physical. So was New Orleans. All these teams are supposed to be physical. Some are more than others. This is going to be a backyard brawl in New Orleans. Lee Steinberg, good friend of the show. He's trying to develop younger agents. He's having a seminar coming out here, and he reached out, and we're going to put him on the radio. He also represents Patrick Mahomes. We'll find out what's going on with that client. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by the Botanist Gin, the number one fastest growing brand. Step up your cocktail game with the Botanist Gin. Yeah, the Botanist, that's part of Remy Martin. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. Try something new. You love the VSOP. You love all the cognacs. That's great. Try the Botanist. All right, we jump in. Lee Steinberg's got an event coming out here. I always see him at the Super Bowl. He's one of the all-time greats. He's been a friend, a mentor in the business. He has represented some of the greatest quarterbacks and players in NFL history, and he joins us in Vegas. Lee, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks for coming on. How are you? I've been great, JT. How are you? I could not be better. Let's start with Patrick Mahomes first. An incredible. I'm out here in the AFC West, and from John Gruden before to Josh McDaniels now, everybody's trying to build a system to try to slow down Patrick Mahomes, and it just doesn't happen. Teams around the league are trying to try to slow him down, and then we see him beat Tom Brady, and you just saw him win in Santa Clara against the 49ers. Talk about the way he's playing and what you see when you watch him play. Well, everyone was so worried that with the uh, free agency of uh, number 10 that somehow they would slow down. But the truth of the matter is that uh, with the coach he has, with Andy Reid being innovative, um, they just keep adjusting and um, they keep being more clever and coming up with uh, new game plans and and they actually have more people to throw the ball to. And he's never lost the work ethic and uh, competitiveness to want to win. And so they'll keep being in the mix. And, and uh, you know, he, he's just never lost his hunger to try to win every year. 
Lee Steinberg joins us. And Lee, you know, representing in the past the great Warren Moon, Troy Aikman, Steve Young, just to name a few. Is that a big deal? Always when you sign these guys, they better have great work ethic, especially all your clients that went number one. But then after a contract or two, everybody talks about getting the second contract or the third. Having that work ethic as the grinding force to be successful, how is that different with Mahomes compared to some other quarterbacks? I don't think it's very different. And I think the key quality in all of those franchise quarterbacks is what do you do in adversity? So there will be times where someone's thrown a couple interceptions, the crowd is booing, the uh, center's looking at the quarterback like, how's he making those reads? And the game's getting out of hand. Now what does the franchise quarterback do? Can he tune out the extraneous can he adopt a quiet mind can he compartmentalize and elevate his level of play to um, take a team to and through victory and if you think about it uh, JT most games uh, a third of them are blowouts but most Mm -hmm. games increasingly today come down to the fourth quarter and even the last drive and so the question is what do you do in those critical moments? And the definition of all those quarterbacks is that they can somehow elevate their level of play in those moments to take a team on their back to victory. Let's talk about Tua and what's been going on with all your years at the highest level. When you see something like this happen with concussion, concussion protocol, you know, there's a lot of people, good people, that make good decisions or wrong decisions. This game flies by very quickly here. Seeing that from over the top with your role, what did you learn from that? What can help the league and fans understand what we've been like over the decades with concussion protocol and all of a sudden where the league needs to go next? Well, we agreed with the Dolphins to let them do this specific uh, commentary on him. Um, but let me just speak theoretically. Um, the The concussion protocol has to, for any player in that situation, be hyper-conscious uh, of the fact that concussion is a ticking time bomb and uh, it has to pick up a concussion and be hypersensitive and hypervigilant. And that's all I'll say. No, it's fair enough. I had to bring that up. And another client of yours, Cooper Rush, I I couldn't wait to ask this because a lot of times you have quarterbacks that aren't the first pick overall, but you got really good quarterbacks and other players, multiple position players. What do you love about a quarterback being patient? getting an opportunity, especially to play for a Hall of Fame owner, then delivering. Everybody loves him now. He goes back to the bench, and all the fans in Dallas go, he can play. If that goes down, we got a guy who can jump in and win us more games. What's that like? You know, I always think of backup quarterbacks like uh, Prince Charles. You know, that they <laughs> have no big function but uh, Christian ships, you know, and, and, and uh, sit around, and all of a sudden they're the king of England, right? Um, and uh, so it was so exciting. He's such a nice guy, and he may not have, you know, an arm like uh, Patrick, but he is cool as a cucumber. No situation Mm -hmm. is too big for him, and he doesn't make ridiculous uh, mistakes. The last game he threw a couple picks, but by and large, he saved their season, and 
it was so thrilling. He he's such a nice guy, and now all of a sudden people see that uh, he can play. And uh, we just had another backup quarterback for Washington, Taylor Heineke, go in yesterday, yeah. and he did the same thing. And you know they they have to practice and practice, and uh, you just couldn't be more thrilled for them. I know I was thinking of you for both of those quarterbacks. Congratulations on what you've done to help mentor them. Lee Steinberg joins us, the great agent. Steinberg Sports, the chairman, and a guy who's a great motivational speaker, throws one of the greatest parties every year at the Super Bowl and a good friend. So, Lee, I was thinking of you also. Good timing for you to come on with the trade deadline. And here's my opinion. I think some of the younger GMs who are younger in their late 30s or 40s and coming in, they want to do deals. They don't want to wait. I mean, some guys like Sean McVay and what we're seeing out in L.A., they'll give up future draft picks to get stars, and it pays off. They win the Super Bowl. How has the sport changed at the trade deadline? Because everybody goes crazy in baseball in the NBA, but I'm hoping the NFL starts to produce more trades for teams that could get better and maybe help them get over the hump. You point out correctly, there's been a major shift. It used to be that baseball and basketball were big trade sports and football much less it was only around draft time that you saw trades done, and, and generally they were draft picks. But if you look at a team like the Rams, what they've said to themselves is, you know, draft picks are fine, but give us vet, proven productive starters and veterans. And all of a sudden the pressure to win right now is so great. The teams are seeing what they're missing, and they want to plug that hole right away. And again, the, the Rams did it, but look at what uh, just happened with the 49ers and Christian McCaffrey. I mean, your first question is, why would you ever give up a franchise-type player if you were Carolina like Christian McCaffrey? But mm-hmm. you've got this same concept you have in baseball. Who's a seller? Who's a buyer? And all of a sudden, a, a player like that who's a critical key now goes in, and they used him right away. They used him as as the key Mm -hmm. number one running back in that very first game. I mean, the 49ers didn't win, but but they uh, they gave him the ball over and over and over again. So you're seeing a real shift in uh, attitude. And and it started with the Rams, who just kept plugging in uh, those uh, critical players, you know, on uh, whether it was Jalen Ramsey Mm -hmm. or. one after another or, or the defensive end or, or getting yeah. the, uh, so it's keep your eyes open because it, it's, it may be wild times. Lee Steinberg, as we wrap it up, Lee, a topic real close to my heart is my son's a senior at Oklahoma and he's working full time for an agent on NIL. And he's learning about that so much so that some of his professors haven't even studied this. There are professors in sports marketing and individuals all around this country that have not been able to teach a class because they've never done an NIL deal. You're doing NIL deals now in the agency. And what have you learned? Where are we? Some say it's the wild, wild west. How are we going to control the money, the accounting of it? One player is going to get all of it. Others aren't going to get any. What have you seen with the birth of name, image, and likeness? And what can you tell us about this going forward and how we're going to get used to it in the short term and long term? 
it's it's a revolution, and uh, nobody thought that uh, you would have Phil Knight give every single student athlete at Oregon uh, an NIL, or that Jack in the Box would give 15 athletes with the first name Jack a stipend, or that you would have consortiums of alums use their businesses to give um uh, big guarantees in recruiting. So it's already morphed into recruiting where certain big time schools, you know, the Alabamas and SCs and Ohio States will be able to tell a recruit, come here and we'll give you $2 million worth of uh, uh, NIL revenue. So it's exploded. It's only been with us for uh, basically a year and, and four months, but it's, uh, uh, going in all sorts of directions, female athletes are getting it, Olympic athletes are getting it, and uh, you know, the NCAA needed to move quicker, but they didn't, and so it's completely changed the face of collegiate sports. Do you think it will help collegiate sports last one or will be an arms race where only Alabama, LSU, Notre Dame, the big schools will continue to spend to get the best players or will it trickle down like the old trickle down <laughs> economics? It'll trickle down because every school has alums and own businesses and yep. every school has uh, alums who will step forward and use that money to aid their athletic program. Excellent. Lee, anything else you're promoting, doing? I know the Super Bowl's coming up. We're going to see a lot out we west. A, we got an Arizona Super Bowl and a Vegas, your dream, a Vegas Super Bowl coming up, Lee. Oh, my God. That will be great. Uh, we're doing an Agent Academy November 11, 12, and 13 in Las Vegas. And, uh, uh, you know, people can uh, sign up by going to uh, uh, SteinbergSpeaks.com. And we're doing mm-hmm. some amazing things in terms of concussion, some new modalities uh, in health and wellness that uh, keep your eye out for. Take care, Lee. I'll see you soon. Thanks for doing this. Bye-bye. All the best. Lee Steinberg there. So he's got a lot happening there. Concussions, NIL, his clients, Patrick Mahomes. I was telling Damon, who's running the show today, the list of clients he had in the past. And you got Aikman, Steve Young, Warren Moon. Some of the names that he had in the beginning, Roethlisberger. And I've gone to Lee's party every year, and it's one of the best Super Bowl parties. Thanks to Lee Steinberg. Chris Myers from the NFL on Fox next hour. And my buddy Tommy White from the 872 Laborers. And your phone calls, 702-365-9200. Dial now, I'll get you.